We're glad that you're here in North Star today. My name is Michael. I'm the uh, small group pastor here, and we are glad that you are here with us today. Uh, just a couple things as far as for housekeeping uh, to remind you of. Wesley's already mentioned it, but don't forget Fall Fest. We need your help to, to, to be able to serve, uh, to help with that. Bring lots and lots and lots and lots of candy. Uh, if you bring like Hershey's or Reese's, bring those directly to the office. We'll make sure they need to go where they need to go. And uh, now uh, it, it takes a lot. It's a great opportunity uh, to not just minister to our church family, but also minister to our community as well. Um, if your kids are all grown uh, and, or you've got older kids, come and help us uh, be a part of that. It's great to see the, the, the little kids all dressed up uh, in their costumes and just to be able to, to smile and uh, just make folks welcome. So again, that's October 29th. It's going to be here at this campus from 5 to 7 p.m. Also, out of guest services, which is the big counter uh, out in the foyer, we have got uh, some sign-up lists to help feed Celebrate Recovery. Uh, our Celebrate Recovery ministry here meets every single Monday night throughout the year. They provide a meal for them, and what we try to do, uh, what we've done the last several years in the month of October, is kind of give them a break from having to... Uh, you know, get the meal, cook it, prepare it, serve it, and all that. So uh, we're asking for volunteers to help that. Now, let me help you with the calendar real quick. October starts next Sunday. So the very first Monday in October is not tomorrow, but it's the week after. So we need some folks to just go ahead and, and sign up, take care of that. You'll be helping provide the meal, uh, cook it, serve it, all that. It's a great time of fellowship, a great uh, time just to encourage that ministry. So the sign-ups for that for those five Monday nights in October are out uh, at guest services. So uh, we got a bunch of other things. You're going to hear more about those later in the service for activities and classes and things coming up. So uh, be listening for those. Um, we're in uh, the, the second week of a two-part series called I Love My Church. Uh, last week, Pastor T was here and he shared about uh, just his vision uh, for North Star and the direction uh, that we are going uh, Today, he is sharing that same message over at our Tupelo campus. Last week, I was over there sharing the message I'm going to share with you all today. So we've just kind of rotated. Uh, he just thought that that was uh, such an important thing that he wanted to be able to do that in person. So that's where uh, he is today. So um, there are a lot of exciting things, uh, good things that are happening. And it's just um, always good uh, to be able to see God at work. Looking at my life, uh, I have a lifelong relationship with the church. Uh, I don't know your backgrounds, your experiences, but for me personally, I've got a lifelong relationship with the church. Um, for those of you who don't know, I grew up in the city of New Orleans, uh, and the very first church that I, that I went to, I was, I was a part of as, as, as a small child. Uh, I remember talking to somebody in college one time, and they looked at me and they said, okay, you grew up in New Orleans? I said, yeah. I said, how did you end up Baptist? And if, and if you don't know, New Orleans is uh, 85, 90% Roman Catholic. And they said, how did you grow up Baptist? I said, well, I just woke up. I was in a Baptist nursery, and I just stayed. You know, so it was good, so we didn't leave it. Uh, but no, I, I was, uh, from, a, from a young child, I was, I was involved in a church. The very first church I was a part of was called Dalman Road Baptist Church. Uh, the location of that church, if you just go straight as the crow flies uh, across the Industrial Canal, it's about four miles uh, from the area where Pastor Troy Gauze is uh, seeking to plant cross-culture community church. You go across the Industrial Canal, uh, fly over the Gentilly community, and that's in and around uh, where his church is currently meeting where they have their, their permanent location. So that's not too far uh, for, for the church that we're seeking to plant down there. But I, I grew up there as part of the church. People that were involved in the church are people that I have known my entire life as long as I can know people, uh, just like family. You know, there, there were individuals there uh, within the church that, that I knew. Um, 
I've got great memories, even though I was, I was old as, as I began to remember things. Uh, I remember going and being a part of Vacation Bible School there. Uh, that's what, back in the old days, in a lot of churches, they still call it VBS. We call it Summer Blast here. Uh, we do it for uh, three days, uh, usually in June, and the kids have a ball. You know, I had, I had fun going to Vacation Bible School as a child. Now, I think it was part of the trend of what churches did at the time, but we didn't just go to VBS for one week. We went to VBS for two weeks. Now, as a child, it's the greatest thing in the world because you're having fun, you're doing all, all kinds of activities, making all these neat craft things and stuff, and had an absolute ball. As an adult on the other side in ministry that's helped plan it and work it and stuff like that, I look at the idea of two weeks and I'm going, no way. It's just, it's fun. It's, it's exciting. But I don't know if it's that fun and exciting. I mean, because it's, it's a lot of work, but we, that's just what we did back then and had an absolute ball, did all the craft things, made the little handprints and stuff like that and the plaster and just all of those fun things. And some of you probably have some of those type experiences uh, as, a, as a child as well. Uh, well, we ran into a dilemma there at that church, and what happened was is the church outgrew, had grown, and it out, had outgrown uh, the facility it was in. So what the leaders of the church decided to do is uh, we're going to relocate. So what they did is they found some property that was probably about uh, two, three miles uh, from, from where they were located, a old piece of property, and uh, they, they planted a new church. Uh, built a new church and we relocated. They sold the old building uh, to the police league or something like that there in New Orleans. And uh, the, the church was the building, it was just a metal building. And it was probably maybe not quite as wide as, as our auditorium here, but it just was long. It, it, it would just go way back and they had the, you know, the sanctuary area and the foyer and then all the Sunday school classes and, and stuff like that. And as the church was getting ready for the first Sunday in the new building, we were, we were preparing things. And I remember as a child, I think I was about five years old uh, when, when we were doing it and we were up there cleaning and getting things ready. Now, I don't know whose bright idea that was, but they gave me a mop and so I'm mopping in the foyer. And, you know, I don't know how good it was. You're going, you know, you ask a five-year-old to mop, you're going to get a five-year-old's mopping job. But anyway, I remember adults starting to say things and started kind of pointing and stuff. And I don't know, it's, I'm, I'm mopping. I'm fine. I'm at it. And then all of a sudden I realized that I've just mopped myself into a corner. And the floor's all wet. And, you know, they told me, it's like, don't, you know, don't, don't walk on it, you know. So, I'm, you know, there's a thought of, okay, what do I do now? You know, am I, is this where I spend the rest of my life? You know, does the floor ever dry? What happens? And, you know, again, why do you give them up to a five-year-old? But that's what they did. But I remember even at that, that young age serving and being involved uh, in the church. Uh, there, too, we had vacation Bible school. It was a lot of fun. I remember picnics uh, that we would have as a church. We always had picnics uh, in around the 4th of July. Um, I think sometimes we even had picnics around Easter. I doubt it was Easter Sunday, uh, but I remember, you know, having a big picnic and spring things and them having bunny rabbits and stuff like that. Um, it was weird, but it was the 70s. You just, just roll with it. Uh, some of you, you remember that time period, and you'd did kind of different things in the church, but that was okay. That was just what we were involved with and what we did. And it's kind of the story that, that some of us, we, we share and have in common. Well, uh, as I got a little older, um, dad got a, a change in job position. So we moved uh, from uh, New Orleans area, one suburb over uh, to Metairie. Some of y'all may be familiar with that area is. And as we looked around, uh, we found another church to grow and be a part of. And, and just there, we were there, we were involved, we were doing things. Uh, I remember being involved in children's choirs. Uh, as I got into the student group, was involved in the youth choir. We had this thing called handbells. Some of you that are old school remember handbells. Uh, they're little bells, you know, like you see hanging from bell towers, except they were just much smaller. You had little bitty bells and treble bells, and you had these big old bass bells, and you'd ring them. And we'd go to festivals and competitions playing handbells. 
Not the 70s, but early 80s, so still some, you know, differences of things. But it was a lot of fun, and we had all those great memories and great experiences. I remember going to youth camp and going to youth mission trips where we went out and we served in communities, and we did backyard Bible clubs and uh, choir tours and all of those fun experiences. But it was, it was during that time, a little bit before uh, I was actually a preteen when it happened, and we were at Vacation Bible School, but it was during that time that I, that I became a Christ follower, and I moved from just being somebody that heard all this stuff at church to being somebody that realized that, hey, I need Christ in my life. And I'd heard the gospel my entire life, because I had been in church my entire life, and they had laid a foundation through Sunday school and discipleship training and, and, and all of those activities of hearing the gospel, but there was something different when I was a, a preteen there in vacation Bible school, the, the uh, student pastor and one of the teenagers, they were talking about what it was that Jesus did for us on the cross. And they talked about the sacrifice that he made. And I'd heard all my life that Jesus had died on the cross so that we could have salvation. It was through his blood that we could have the forgiveness of sins. But that time was different. See, before that I had heard that it happened, but this time I realized that he had done it for me. And it was during that time that I surrendered my life to Christ and invited him uh, in, into my life. Uh, a few years later is when I, I, I guess for, uh, I guess what we called it back then was um, realized that I was being called to ministry. Now, as, as believers, we're all called. We're all called to serve. And we're supposed to have an active role of serving within the church, within the body, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But it was a little bit different than just regular service. It's the, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to, uh, within your life, serve to follow him. Uh, well, as college rolled around, there was a little bit of struggle of finding place. I grew up in New Orleans, went to school at Mississippi State, didn't know anybody uh, when I went up there. So kind of finding somebody to go to church with. Um, it was a struggle for all. I'll go ahead and confess, you know, first, uh, you know, couple months of college, uh, there's a lot of Sundays I woke up and it was noon. I'm thinking, well, Let's go have lunch, you know. You know, you didn't have it. And, and it was part of it because there was the struggle of, okay, what am I going to do? But as I met some friends and, you know, found some places to get involved, I got in, involved with churches in college. But it was, it was during that time while I was in college that I went, I became uh, on staff, uh, I guess you would call it, in my very first church. It was a summer uh, youth minister position, and I was a church in Grenada County. And I learned something very, very disturbing about the church at that time. Uh, up to that point, for the most part, everything in, 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 in my church experience had been good. It had been positive for me. Uh, you know, we, we faced some difficulties as a church, uh, grew up in, not going to get into that. But everything was, you know, it's all right. But when I, when I got in on staff in my first church position, I, I learned something. And I learned that there are mean people at church. And they're mean to others. And I'm just, as a 19-year-old, I'm going... Why, why are they doing that? And, and people come to church with different experiences and different backgrounds and different agendas uh, that you call. You know, I don't know if it's a country church thing or a city church thing. I think it's a little bit of everything. But I learned something that it's like, you know, that there are people in the church that sometimes do mean things to one another. And through my years of ministry, I've had a lot of great experiences within churches. I've had some good experiences. I've learned to love a lot of people, had a lot of people love us. Uh, but I've also had difficult times. Uh, within a uh, time being in the church. I had a, a situation one time um, years back where, you know, I was on staff there and they came and said, look, you, you're not welcome at our church anymore. You don't have a job, bye. We don't want you here anymore. And, and the church is usually the place you go to in the difficult times and have somebody come to you and say, not just you don't have a job here anymore, but it's a, we, we don't even want to see you anymore. Leave our church. 
And that's sometimes hard to deal with. Uh, but God's blessed us. He's always taken care of us. And we've had the chance to be a part of great churches uh, through the years. And that's a little bit of my church experience, my church background, my, my, my story of, of my life with the church. And um, as I look around, and, and some of you, I know a little bit of your stories. Your stories, um, there's some similarities for some of you. You see some things of, hey, I've had that type of things happen. Some things, hopefully, you haven't had to deal with uh, that I've dealt with the years. But I know uh, good and bad, we all have a story about our involvement uh, with being a part of the church. Well, here's the thing that we've got to keep in mind. God created us for community. God created us to have those relationships uh, with one another. And there was also the, the mindset and the focus amongst his followers that we don't want to come together, but we want to have a place where we can be able to worship him. Uh, we see David as he's writing in the Psalms in Psalm uh, 26, uh, David writes in Psalm 26, verse 8, David says, O oh Lord, I love the house in which you dwell and the place where your glory abides. Now, a lot of times when we, when we talk about the church, we're, we're thinking about a building, and, and, and that's in a sense what David was talking about here. He was talking about a place where God was and a, and, a, and a place where people came to be able to worship him and just how much he loved going to that place. Now, at the time during the Old Testament, there wasn't, at the time of David, there wasn't a structural building uh, where people gathered together to worship. Uh, when the nation of Israel was traveling around through the desert, when they were doing their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, uh, God lived in a tent. I guess that's the best way to describe it because that's, that's what was happening. You had the Ark of the Covenant and they had what was called the tabernacle. And the Ark of the Covenant was in an area of the, uh, the tents that was set up, the tent of meaning. And they had within that, they had the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark was. And that was where God dwelled. And remember, uh, there was only one time of the year a, a, a priest can go on there and uh, offer atonement for the people's sins. And that was the structure. Well, as the people eventually settled in the promised land. God was still intense. And, and David, who was a man of God, a man after God's own heart, says, it's not right that, you know, I've got a, I've got a nice palace. I've got a, not place, a nice place to live. And God's still in a tent. So I want to build a temple. I want to build a place where we can come together to worship God. Well, God said, David, I love your idea. Love your heart. But no, because you're a man of war, I don't want you to do that. But we're going to allow your son Solomon to do that. And we see that Solomon uh, went through great detail and spared no expense uh, to provide for the building of the temple. And so there's this place where people came to worship God and all of the festivals, all of the, 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 the holy days, um, the Passover celebration, all of these things that they happened there was centered around the temple. Well, what that led to in the minds of the people was God is here in this place. He's at the temple. But if I move away from that place, is God also there? And they were struggling with that within their theology, with their understanding of God, is it, of the fact of, is God mobile? Is he able to be in all places at all time? And what really uh, came to, um, to, to, the, to the crux for them, to understanding that theology, is because of their disobedience, remember the nation was, was put into captivity. In uh, 587, 586 BC, the, the, the city of Jerusalem fell. The temple was destroyed. The people were carried off into captivity to Babylon. And then they've got to deal with the issue of, well, is God with us there? I mean, we don't have the temple of anymore. Uh, is, is, is God able to come with us? And through the teachings of the prophets, God said, yeah, I'm with you if you go here. I'm with you if you go there. 
I'm with you no matter where you go. And so the people began to grow in their understanding uh, of, of God and who he was and how he wanted to be involved in their lives. Well, remember after the time of captivity, the people began to come back to uh, Jerusalem. Um, Ezra uh, was instrumental in helping the, uh, the, the, the temple be rebuilt. Uh, a few years later, Nehemiah comes back. Remember, we talked about Nehemiah here a few months ago. Nehemiah helped uh, get the wall rebuilt around the city of Jerusalem. And they began to worship again there at the temple. Well, as time passes, as it moves closer and closer to the New Testament period in uh, the first and the third centuries B.C., somewhere around in there, you begin to see these synagogues uh, began to uh, pop up. And what a synagogue was, it was a place for the people to be able to worship. But worship of God was so much more than just their religious aspect of their lives. It was, their, it was everything. It dealt with their family. It dealt with their culture, their jobs. Everything revolved around the fact that they were Jewish and that they followed after God. And what the synagogue was, is, was the center of the community. It wasn't just the religious place of gathering. It was the community place. It was the social place. And then everything revolved around the synagogue and so what began to happen was people couldn't always travel up to Jerusalem they still wanted to gather for worship gather together as believers that followed after God that uh, that followed after Yahweh and so they began to worship in the synagogues and so everything that they could do at the synagogues they did now there were certain times of year that because of the Old Testament law they had to travel to Jerusalem for certain sacrifices and certain festivals and things like that but they did everything else there within the synagogue because that was home that's where they were planted. And so they begin to gather there. Now, when Jesus comes, remember Jesus, he would go teach in the synagogues. There were times he taught in the synagogues. There were times he, he taught in the temple. And that was a part of his, his background as well. But after his crucifixion, then after the resurrection, and then after his ascension to heaven, you've got these believers now that had a Jewish background of growing up in synagogues, worshiping them in the temple, but they realized that Jesus was the long-promised Messiah that had been taught of for so many years. And so they realized that, okay, how we did things in the past, it's, you know, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one that we're supposed to follow. And they were believers, but they were living in a community of people that, that didn't see Jesus that way. You know, they were part of the ones that had him crucified because he was wrong. That's not what God had in mind. And so what ended up happening for these new believers that had spent their entire lives going to, to, to special worship times at the temple, growing up being involved in the community life there at the synagogues, they weren't welcome anymore. They were told, you, you can't come here. You, you believe something false. And, and, and they were thrown out of the temple. They were thrown out of the synagogues because they had a different belief system. So what begins to happen, and then as we see is the, the, the true emergence of what we call the, the New Testament church, we see those believers coming together. Uh, the word that's used in the New Testament uh, for the word church is the word ecclesia, and it literally means called out ones. And what they saw themselves out is they were a community of believers that were called out because of their relationship with Christ. Now, during the New Testament time, um, ecclesia was not just a church word. It was just what, you know, they used. I mean, that was their language, and, and it became adapted for that. The word and its usage there during the time was it was an assembly of people. It was an assembly of people that were called to do something specific within their community. Um, uh, a good modern-day parallel to that uh, might be like a, a neighborhood association. You know, we've got something that we need to do in this area. We need to get a bunch of people to plan and have that out. Well, that was an ecclesia uh, during that first, uh, first century time there in Judea. 
But here's the thing about what we call the New Testament church. They didn't see themselves just as a gathering of people. They saw themselves in an assembly that the reason why they came together is they had the commonality of the fact that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They didn't see themselves as a building. They saw themselves as people who were called by God to accomplish his purpose and to do his will. They saw themselves as living in a covenant relationship, not just with God, but with one another. And so you see there within that New Testament church, a group of people um, in community with one another. Now, here's the thing about our, our, the situation, I guess, that we live in today. Um, keep in mind, remember I said earlier, God created us for community. God created us to have relationships with other people. But his desire ultimately is for those relationships, to, those nurturing relationships to come within the church the body of Christ. I'm going to use church a little bit in kind of both phrases here. Just kind of bear with me because within our terminology, but then also, you know, theology, it kind of means a couple things. When, when mail comes to this building, it says North Star Church. And then we don't, you know, we're not going to just hand it to one of y'all. You know, it's, you know it's, it says church on there. So there's the, within the mindset, there's a terminology of the building, but it's also referring to the body. So we're going to talk about it a little bit in both ways in our, in our time today. But God created us for community. He created us to have those relationships with one another within those people that have the confines of a relationship with Christ. A lot of people, though, when they're looking for relationships, you know, they have their friends, you know, they have their people uh, that they do things with. And that's not a bad thing. We need to have those relationships with, with other people and, to, and to, to be salt and light within the world. But a lot of times people say, oh, you know, I've, I've got this, these groups of friends at work. Or I have uh, these, these people, you know, our, our kids play softball or soccer together. And, and these are the people that I kind of hang around with and, and, and spend all my time with. And those aren't bad things, but those nurturing relationships, though, need to happen within the body of Christ. And some folks say, well, I don't need the body because I've got these other relationships. What we need to realize is that we do need the body because there's some things that happen within the body of Christ amongst the individuals that are here uh, gathered week in, week out in this place that makes us just a little bit different from every other assembly. It makes us just a little bit different from every other gathering of people. And we see that, uh, there's some examples of what we see in the New Testament in the early days of the church, how that plays out. Um, Acts chapter 4 it's where we're going to uh, look at for part of our time today. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, this is after the day of Pentecost. This is after Peter has preached. And um, in, in Acts 2, remember, 3,000 people are saved after he shares the gospel there in the temple. Then remember, he gets run out of the temple and they begin to try to find places where they can gather together and meet. I think at this time, the size of the church is around 5,000 people because they've gone out, they've worshiped, uh, they've shared the gospel, people are being saved. And this is where it picks up in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. You see, the thing about the church that makes it different from just any other assembly, any other place, is this is the place where people come, where believers come together. 
This is the place where believers come together. That's why they were gathering together during those days of the early church. They were no longer welcome in the temple. And it was more than, than church was just more than uh, the religious thing that we did on the Sabbath. It was a part of every single aspect of their lives and they weren't welcome in the synagogues anymore. They weren't welcome. And so they gathered together as believers. And that's why we gather together. That's one of the reasons why we gather so that we can come together and realize that we are not going through life alone. We've got the commonality of the relationship with Christ. We've got the commonality that we've, we've invited Christ into our hearts and we, we see his purpose, we see his plan, we gather together to worship. But it's also a reminder that we're not having to go through life alone. Now, um, I, I understand and, and do understand this truth that we never are alone truly. As followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And so God is always with us wherever we go. And that's a good thing, but sometimes when we're going through those difficult circumstances, when we're facing troubles in life, it's like, I, I, I need somebody. <laughs> you know, I need that person. I need that person to come alongside of me and, and listen to me, encourage me, help me. And, and, and you do. And it's called the church. That's why God has brought us together so that we can realize that we're never having to go through life alone. Through the difficult times, through the struggles that we face, we've got one another. Because as you look around and as we begin to share stories with one another, we realize that um, there's a lot of folks that have been there and they've done that and they've got the t-shirt and all we are at that spot in our life is we, we're just, uh, we are there. You know, we haven't done it yet. You know, we haven't gotten the t-shirt. We're still in the midst of struggle. And when we realize that God has brought us together to be in community with one another and to encourage one another, that we never have to go through all of it alone. We've got others that are with us to be there for us, to encourage us, to help us, and to walk alongside of us. Does it mean that once that happens that everything is good and everything is fine? No, sometimes those struggles are still there. But being a part of the body, being a part of the community of faith, it helps us realize that, yes, God is never leaving me or forsaken me. But there are people that I go to church with that are part of that body that they're with me as well. And they're there to encourage me and help me and say, man, I love you. I hate you're going through this right now. Let me pray for you. Let me pray with you. Um, you know, I want to do what I can to help you during that time. And that's one of the things that the church is called to do. That's part of why God uh, has, has called us together. And it's not just that this is a place where believers come together. It's also a place where we hear the gospel and where we're challenged to go share it. It's a place where we hear the gospel and where we're challenged to go share it. You see, remember my story, I had heard the gospel my entire life. But it wasn't until I was older that I received God's salvation, where it all clicked and made sense. And that's part of the reason why we do what we do in North Star Kids. Uh, we don't have like a line or anything like that that's like, all right, the child is uh, in first grade. Okay, now we're going to start talking about Jesus. And now we're going to start talking about salvation and God's love and all the things. No, we, we, we do it from the time that they're little bitty babies that we talk about it. And, you know, folks say it's like, well, they don't understand everything that you say. It's like, well, there's some of you that don't understand everything that we're saying. It doesn't, you know, there's not an age. And one of the things that I remember uh, uh, learning when I was in seminary, it's like we always teach, we want children to understand that when they come to this place, this is a place that's different. When I go to that place, it's a place that's safe. And it's a place where people love me. 
And what we seek to do within our children's ministry is help them understand that there are people here that love them. And one of the reasons why we love them is because God loves us. And we want you to understand that this is a place where God's love takes place. And so even as young children, we begin teaching them about the fact that God loves them and God has a plan for them and God wants to have a relationship with them. And even when they're two years old, they hear stories about those that have um, that have come before in the Bible and they, they hear those Bible stories and how God was at work amongst those who were following him and they learn about Jesus and they learn that Jesus was a little baby, Jesus was a small child like they were. And what we're doing is not because we're expecting them as 18-month-olds or two-year-olds to enter in right then as a relationship with Christ. That's a, that doesn't normally happen. It's usually as children get older, sometimes teenagers, but what we're doing is we're laying the foundation for them to understand about God. And so as God begins to work on their hearts as their older children or maybe teenagers, they say, you know, I've been hearing about God all my life, but now I get it. I get it. I get that he wants to have a relationship with me. And that's part of the reason why we do what we do back in North Star Kids. It's why we do it in here and through our small groups. We want to tell people about the gospel and tell how they can have a relationship with Christ. But then we challenge people to go out and share it. Within our lives, we need to be telling people about Jesus. And what makes the church different from any other assembly, any other place is, you know, today I'm telling you, you need to tell people about Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow, there's not going to be a memo from corporate headquarters for 99.5% of you. There's not going to be a memo from corporate headquarters say, today you need to share your faith and tell somebody about Jesus. It doesn't happen in the workplace. It doesn't mean that you're in a horrible business. It means, you know, it doesn't mean you may work at a hospital. That's good. You may be a Cooper Tire. You may work at Toyota. It doesn't matter. But corporate's not going to send that message, but the church does. The church says that we need to be about sharing our faith and we need to be about telling people about, church, uh, about Jesus. And that's what sets this place different. That's what sets this body different of the fact that we want other people to know about the, the Savior that we have. Something about this place, it's the place where we serve. It's a place where we serve each other. Because we're in community with one another, we should be knowing what's going on in the lives of one another. We need to be doing what we can to help one another, to serve one another and help take care of one another's needs. Uh, You see it here in Acts 4.34. It says that there was not a needy person among them. And at the end of uh, 35, it says that the needs, the money that they had, they distributed to each as any had need. They provided for one another and took care of one another because that's what you do when you're living in community with body of believers. And that's what we seek to do here at the church. We seek to serve one another and help one another during different times. Uh, we got a phone call uh, at, at the church office a couple of weeks ago and um, somebody was calling and said, hey, I'm, I'm moving. Uh, I need some folks to, you know, help me move just, you know, heavy stuff from one side of town to the other. And uh, my first response was, well, who you need to talk to is Troy. You know, Troy's the one that helps with that. And uh, Troy's our campus pastor. He's going to come out later at the service. And Troy's so fun with being the campus pastor uh, because, you know, folks call. It's like, I don't want to do that. Do you want to handle it? I'll let Troy do it. He's the campus pastor. He gets to do that. So, no. Um, But, you know, I was talking. I got to thinking. And sometimes within life, we just make things more difficult uh, than they really need to be. And so I, I stopped myself as I was talking to the person. I said, okay, when are you moving? And he told me when he was moving. I said, okay, I'll come help you. I said, how much stuff? And, you know, I said, not a whole lot. I said, yeah, I'll come help you. We'll get somebody else and we'll help you move. And can see somebody had a need and instead of, you know, creating a program or things like that, it's like, oh, okay, let me just help. 
And see, and that's what the body of Christ is supposed to do is we're supposed to help one another when, there's, when, when people need help. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. And the only way that we're going to do that is because we're involved and we're getting to know people and we know the things that are happening on their life because we're living in a community. And so that's what the church is supposed to do. But here's the other thing that the church is supposed to do as the body is we're supposed to do the things that we need to do so that the body is able to function. As a body, we have decided we're going to have a children's ministry, a thing called North Star Kids where we minister uh, from babies through sixth grade. Since as a body, we have decided, hey, that's something that we're going to do. That's something we're going to provide for the body to do what it's supposed to do. We've got to have folks to help in that area. I've seen very few three-month-olds be able to change their own diaper. I know your, your kids were advanced. Mine were too, but I don't think any of them were able to do that. Uh, We need help with folks changing diapers and doing those things because that's what we've decided to do. We've decided as a church um, to welcome people when they come, and that's why we have greeters. You know, it's, you know, we try to be a, you you don't have to open your own door, church. You know, we're going to try to open for you. Now, if you're 25 minutes late, the greeters are usually in worship by then, so get here earlier and somebody hold the door open for you. Uh, but we've, we've looked at these things and say, hey, if we're going to do these things within the body, we've got to have folks to be able to do that. It's like within your home. Um, you know, kids, once they learn about money, they've got ideas of, oh, let me do things so I can, you know, get money. And uh, so you, you ask your children, say, okay, go ahead and, you know, set the table. And uh, some of you may have gotten the response of, well, how much am I going to get? Am I going to get paid to set the table? And uh, my reply is, do you want to eat? <laughs> And, and I'm not meaning it's like, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm the parent, you're the child, you know, I'm going to withhold food from you. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the idea of uh, setting a table because that's what civilized people do. Um, I don't know about in your home, but in mine, you know, when supper's ready, all four of us do not gather around the stove with our, each individual forks and we're eating out of the pots on the stove. No. We try to use plates. And most of the time, even silverware. And we'll, and we'll sit down and we'll have the food laid out. And, you know, that's why restaurants have tables and chairs. You know, there's a mindset behind that because within civilized society, that's how people eat. And so it's not a thing of, you know, set the table, not because we're going to pay you for it, not because of chores, because that's what you got to do to eat. And it's that way within the church. If we are going to accomplish the things that the church has set out to do through our ministries, through greeting and through taking care of one another, we've got to have people to do that. And that is all part of serving one another within the body. It doesn't happen in other places, other businesses. You know, you go to, um, you know, even a a restaurant that has a buffet, they're not going to let you do everything by yourself. Uh, You know, they set the table out. You may be able to fix your own food or stuff like that, but that's you know, it doesn't work that way, but within the church, we're supposed to serve one another and be a part of serving together in the place that God's called us. Uh, Another thing about the church that makes it a different place is it's the place where God's power is at work in us. The church is the place where God's power is at work in us, and it refers to it there in uh, in verse 33, but uh, I want to look at another passage in uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Now, this is Jesus talking. If you're looking in your Bibles, it may be a red-letter text, and that means that Jesus is the one who is speaking here. And this is what Jesus is, uh, is saying. This is what he's telling uh, the disciples uh, at this time. He says, uh, uh, Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20, it says, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now look at the promises. Look at the thing that, that Jesus is saying here. Let me, say, let me read it again. Again, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. 
Look at the power that is promised here to God's people when they come together. Jesus is saying, I'm right there with you. Two or three of you are gathered in my name. I'm, I'm there in the midst of you. Um, in the early days of North Star, uh, one of our small groups was launching. And I sent an email to the leader. And I said, um, how'd it go last night? They replied. And they said, it was a failure. Said, uh, the only people that showed up were me, which is good. I always love it when our small group leaders show up to their small group. <laughs> um, but she said, uh, the only person that was there was me and the person whose house it was. said, complete failure. So, read the email, typed out this verse. And uh, my, my reply in the email was, I don't see how your small group could have been that much of a failure if the Son of God showed up. Send. This is somebody that I knew well, so I, I was able to be that blunt with them. And uh, about 45 seconds later, I got the reply. You're right. You're right. Um, we, we realize that when we gather together, God shows up. Now, yes, God is with us, but God doesn't show up at ball games like that. He doesn't go to the mall, Christmas shopping, and stuff like that. No. But when his people gather together in his house to worship him, God's here in this place. And then before that, when it talks about that if you pray for things in my name, I'm going to do them. Uh, I remember one time years back, we used to have a, a Bible study on Wednesday nights up here. And we'd, we'd, uh, we'd have discipleship and, and just really go deep into the Word. And then we kind of break up into groups to kind of talk about what we've studied and, and, and to pray and stuff like that. And I remember one time we were in within our group. And um, one of the guys was sharing just as a, as a prayer request. He said, man, pray for me. Um, he said, um, my, my ex-wife has told me that um, I can't see my daughter anymore. Can y'all pray for me? We're like, well, yeah, yeah. And so we, we put them there in the center of the circle and we laid hands and we prayed on them. And um, a week or two later, I, I can't remember exactly how long, but it was at least a week, no more than two, uh, he came back and he said, guys, you will not believe what happened. He said, my, my ex came to me and she said, look, I'm, I'm sorry I said that. Um, don't worry about it. I will never, ever hinder you uh, from being able to see your daughter. And he's like, wow, can you believe it? And everybody's like, oh, wow, wow, that's just so neat. And a couple of us made eye contact within the circle and we're like, <laughs> and you could tell we were thinking the same things. And I'm like, hey, hey, um, isn't that what we prayed for <laughs> the last time? And it's like, <gasps> we did, yeah. Because when God's people get together and pray in God's name for God's will to be done, Jesus says, I will answer you that's power and that power happens within the body within his place the very last thing that sets the church apart that makes it different it's the place where we go and serve our community it's a place we're able to serve our community now what the church is it's the it's the kind of the it's the launching site for what we do is we seek to be the hands and feet of Christ within our community. You see, what happens is we're all in different places. We're different with our work in school and all these different things. And we see all the needs around us. And we come to, the, to, to God's house together. And we talk about the needs we see. And it's like, okay, how can we make a difference? And we hear the different resources that people have. And we see the different talents that we have. And this is a place, okay, okay, here's a need. Let's do something about this need. And it's the launching point for where we're able to go and make a difference in our community. Because you see, when Jesus was here on this, word, on, on this earth, he was able to be Jesus himself. And, and, and he healed people and he provided for people's needs and he shared the good news of Christ. But after 
his, his uh, resurrection and his ascension to heaven, the, the job falls on us. The job falls on us to be his hands and his feet, to go and make a difference for his name's sake. What we go and we seek to do, we do it in the name of Jesus because he's the one that his love has driven us to serve. He, he is the one whose love has, has driven us to share the good news of the gospel, realizing that people need to be saved. They need that everlasting relationship with Christ. They need that, and the church is the place that gives us the motivation. It's the launching place where we're able to go out and we make a difference in people's lives. We serve them, and people say, why are you doing this? Well, we're doing it because of Jesus. You see, we love you, and even though we don't know you, because we have a relationship with Jesus, he's put a love in our hearts for you, but that love is, is, is driven by him. It's driven by the love relationship that he has for us. And we're able to show you love because of Jesus. And the church is the place where that happens. Now, I said before, each of us uh, have got our, our different church stories. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leap of faith here today and say that probably all of you here today have some type of history with the church. You have some type of of story background with the church. There may be somebody here today that this is your very first time ever being in a, with a body of believers or inside a church building. But I'd say for the majority of us, you've got a story. You've got a, a church background. So my challenge for you today, my, I guess, application from our message today is to say to you, what's your next step? What's your next step of being a part of the church, of being a part of the body? Uh, for some of you, you like the idea that the church is a place that serves and you think that that's a great thing. I love the fact that we're serve and that we do things to help get the body going. But you're not doing anything to help the body get going and to do what the body needs to do. You think it's great that we have greeters and that we have coffee and that we have stuff for kids. But when it comes time to saying, okay, we need for you to do what you're supposed to do as a part of the body, you're like, no, I'm good. I like the idea of it. I think it's fantastic that you're doing it, but I'm not willing to do any of it. That's not how bodies work. Some of you may need to take that step and to be a part of doing what the body's supposed to do, whether it's serving here within uh, to one another or to serve out in the community. Some of you uh, may need to take that step and realize, like, all right, I need to get some, some understanding on how to be able to share my faith and share the gospel with somebody so I can lead somebody else to Christ. Well, hey, we're going to have a training for that here within a couple weeks on a Sunday. I believe it's October 8th is the day for that. We're going to have an opportunity to train you how you can share your faith. That's something that's coming up. You've got those opportunities to do that. Some of you need to take the step of membership. You've been coming here for 10 years drinking our coffee, thinking that this is a really neat place to be. But you're not willing to truly step in and say, all right, I'm going to quit being a, a, a person that's watching from the sidelines. I'm going to be a member and truly be a part of the body that God has planted here. I don't know what your next step is, but God will show you. God will show you what it is that you need to do to be a part of the body. God created us for, for community. Let's all be a part of this community that God's planted here. Pray with me. Father God, we're just so thankful for the fact that you love us. God, thank you for loving us. God, let us, let us never, ever, ever, ever take your love for granted. Um, God, I'm thankful that you've given us one another. And God, I just pray um, that as the community of faith that you have placed here, God, that we would be faithful to obey you. And Father, that we would be faithful to do what you have called us to do. Um, if you'll just remain with your, your, your heads bowed and your eyes closed uh, today.
we've been talking about being a part of the body of Christ. And the thing that makes us a part of the body is not just the fact that we uh, sit here for worship services, but we have the commonality that each of us has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If there has never been a time in your life where you have surrendered your life to Christ, um, you're here and we're glad that you're here and we want you to keep coming. But by definition, you're not a part of the body yet because you've never surrendered to that thing that, had, that we all have in common and that's relationship with Christ. And today you can enter into that relationship. You can have that relationship with him. Not just so that you can be a part of the body and that's an added benefit, but the most important relationship that we can have in life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way that you enter that relationship is through prayer. And if, if today you want to have that relationship with him, if you'll just pray to God and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my sin has separated me from you. Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. If you pray that to God, there's, there's nothing magical about the words that I use, but if you pray that to God, God looks at the, the, the desires of our heart. But he gives us a promise in his word in Romans. It says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you called out to God through that prayer and asked him to save you, then God's true to his word and he saved you. And that you now are a part of the body. But here's your next step is being a part of the body. We want to know that you're a part of our body. Uh, there's some connection cards that are in the uh, little chair pockets that's in front of you. If you'll just dig one of those out and fill it out for us. And there's a, a box in the bottom that says, today I pray to receive Christ. If you made that decision for Christ today, uh, fill that out, check that, and then bring it to us at guest services. Because we would absolutely love to know that you made that decision for Christ today. Uh, the band's going to do another song, uh, but before they do that, let's uh, stand and let's have a word of prayer together. And then, uh, then we're going to worship, uh, and then we've got some other exciting things that are going to happen too. Father God, we're just so thankful for your love for us. God, we're so thankful that uh, you've given us one another. And God, I just pray that as a church, Father, that we'll be uh, faithful to gather. God, I pray that, that we'll be faithful to serve. God, I pray that we'll always be faithful to tell others about you. God, there's a world that needs you. There's a world that needs people to come alongside them, to love them, encourage them. And God, I just pray that as we seek to do that in our lives as a body, God, that we will glorify your name in all that we seek to do.